Has anything terrible ever happened to you? It's a simple question. Has your life sucked? Tell her the truth. There is no truth. Drag out our story. Maybe all we've done is make a girl cry. She's talking about what happened. That's huge. There's a guy by the name of Mark Marrow. He's a retired uh, professional wrestler. And he lives his life now as a motivational speaker, traveling the world, talking to groups of people. And he talks to teenagers a lot. I shared a five-minute video on the Facebook page this past week of Mark talking to a group of teenagers, uh, mostly about drugs and alcohol, but uh, he's got some great advice that can be applicable to people of all ages. So I want to share that with you today. My mom would be at all my sporting events. Let's say I was playing football, okay? My mother would be on the sidelines, and if the play on the field started going one way, my mother would run along like, Mark, get him, get him! I'd be like, oh my gosh. I'd get in the huddle with the other guys, they go, Mark, is that your mother? I go, no, I never saw her before in my life. <laughs> the greatest gift my mother ever gave me, she believed in me. I have overdosed on drugs on three occasions where I should have been dead. But I believe I was kept here for a reason. You show me your friends, I will show you your future. How do I know this? I hung out with losers and I became the biggest loser of them all because I gave up everything I dreamt about as a little boy because of who I chose to surround myself with. My friends would drive me home at two, three, four in the morning. We'd be drunk and high, laughing in the car. We pull up in front of my house in New York, they go, Mark, Mark, the light's on. I go, oh man, my mother's up. See, my mom wouldn't go to bed until she knew her son was still alive. I'd walk in, she'd say, hi Mark, how was your night? I go, it was good mom, I'm just gonna go to bed. She goes, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? I go, mom, I'm tired, I'm just gonna go to bed. She goes, Mark, I haven't seen you all day and all night. Can I please talk to you? I said, man, just leave me alone. You bug me. I'd slam my bedroom door on the one person who believed in me. I was on a worldwide tour when we were wrestling overseas in Japan. After my wrestling match, I went upstairs in my hotel room and I fell asleep. There was a knock at my door at three o'clock in the morning. I got out of bed and I looked through the safety window and I could see it was a Japanese promoter. So I opened the door and he said, Mark, you need to call home. There's been an emergency. I went and got on the hotel room phone. I called back to the United States and said, hey, what's going on? They said, Mark, I don't know how to tell you this. I said, just tell me what happened. All of a sudden they started crying. They go, Mark, I can't tell you. I said, just say it. They said, Mark, your mother died. I just threw the phone down. I ran out of my hotel room. I took the elevator to the lobby and when the doors opened up, I just ran out into the street. I mean, there was no cars, there was no people. It's three o'clock in the morning. And I walked down the middle of a street in Hiroshima, Japan. And I remember looking up and just saying, Mom, I am so sorry. I flew home for her funeral and I was so nervous to walk up to her casket. So I just stood way in the back. And I kept looking from a distance. I kept thinking to myself, Mom, 
please wake up. Please get up. And then I finally got the nerve to walk up to her. And as I got closer, I could see my mom for the first time. I mean, she was so beautiful. She, she was dressed in white. I mean, she looked like an angel. And I just stood over and I said, Mom, you are my hero. Everything I am, everything I hope to be was because of you. You loved me so much. You gave me a life. You're the only one that ever believed in me. How did I repay her? By getting drunk, by getting high, by getting stupid, by hanging out with losers? For what? All she ever wanted to do was talk to me. I wish I could talk to you now, Mom. I wish you could see what I'm doing. Why couldn't I have been a better son? We are defined by our choices. But if you surround yourself with people involved in drugs and alcohol and pills, it's a dead end. I'm not here to preach to you. I'm here to tell you I lived that life. It leads to broken hearts, broken relationships, broken dreams, and death. For what? To get high? If you have a mother or a father, when you go home, tell them how much you love them. See, my whole life was about being rich and famous. I had to be a millionaire. I had to win the race. I had to win the race to expense my marriage, my family, my friends for what? To be all alone in the world? I learned what is truly important, and that is how precious this gift of life is and our families and how quickly it can be taken away. See, I no longer live in time. I live in moments. See, it's not what's in your pocket that matters. It's what's in your heart that truly matters. Love, love is just a word until somebody comes along and gives it meaning. You, you're the meaning. His nonprofit organization uh, is called Champion of Choices. And that's great terminology for this worldwide champion who now lives his life speaking about the choices that we make. You show me your friends, I will show you your future. Now, if you've been a regular listener here on Third Degree Mind, uh, we've talked a lot about this idea of toxic people and removing them from your life. Mark's point here is 100% what I've been saying. Those who you surround yourself with are what you are going to turn into. You want to be a drug addict? Surround yourself with addicts, and you will become one. You want to make a difference in the world? Surround yourself with those who make a difference every day, and that will be you. We are defined by our choices. See, my whole life was about being rich and famous. I had to be a millionaire. I had to win the race. I had to win the race to expense my marriage, my family, my friends for what? To be all alone in the world? I learned what is truly important, and that is how precious this gift of life is and how quickly it can be taken away. See, I no longer live in time. I live in moments. Love, love is just a word until somebody comes along and gives it meaning. It's some great wisdom from a guy who I had never heard of 
until recently when I saw this video of inspiration and meaning. I hope some of his advice sinks in with you and keep doing what I've been telling you to do for weeks. Cut these toxic people out. And remember, you show me your friends, I will show you your future. Hey everybody, it's Jay, creator and host of Third Degree Mind Podcast. I created Third Degree Mind in February of 2018, and we've seen some amazing growth over the last year or so. I'm happy to announce that Third Degree Mind is listened to every month across the United States and in about a dozen different countries. To me, that success tells me that this topic of self-growth and reflection, especially relating to some of these issues that stem from mental illness, is something that needs to be talked about. When I first started this podcast, I had no idea where it would go. And a year after we launched, we're still growing at an exciting rate. Each new episode finds more people than the last, and I consider that a remarkable success. But I need your help to continue to grow our audience and extend our reach. My goal over the next six months is that we add even more people to our growing audience from around the world. One of the easiest ways I think that we can do that is by harnessing the power of social media. And that's why I created a Facebook page for Third Degree Mind, and I'm hoping to get all of you to like us on Facebook. Just search for Third Degree Mind, and you can like or follow the page there. When new content is posted to the page, hit that share button to share the content with your friends and help me to extend our current reach. Currently, less than 10% of our regular listening audience follows us on Facebook, and I'd like to get all of you on board on the Facebook page. Our Facebook page is also the easiest way for you to get in contact with me if you want to share some of your own experiences or give me feedback on the show's content. I'm always looking for feedback from you guys, so let me know what you think about the recent episodes or any topics that you want to see in the future. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and I hope to see all of you on the Facebook page. Anyways, welcome to Third Degree Mind. I'm glad you're listening today. It's Monday, at least it is when I'm recording this, so hopefully you had a great weekend and the new week is off to an amazing start. You know, I was supposed to be in South Carolina right now with some girl that I met online, and I had agreed to fly to the other side of the world to meet her. But as you know, that girl became flaky and unpredictable, and I withdrew, and I canceled my travel plans. It was a move to protect my heart. When your heart has been broken so many times by many different people in a variety of ways, it starts to become uh, incredibly difficult to bring some of those walls down and let someone new in. That kind of thing is especially true with people who suffer from something like borderline personality disorder. Everyone has heartbreak, everyone gets hurt, I get that. But when you have a condition that affects your emotions and the way that you relate to someone, it starts to become even more complicated. 
than what a normal person might experience. I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is a normal person probably would not describe what I went through as a broken heart. Because it wasn't even a person that I had ever met. This was just some girl that I had only texted and called and became attracted to for a short period of time, only about a month. And then when she started backing off and she started to become more withdrawn and flaky, she went from texting and calling all the time to maybe once a day and eventually even less than that. That was heartbreaking for me. There's this thing that experts call splitting, and it's something with, uh, it's something that um, people with borderline and similar conditions do. Splitting is a, a defense mechanism that forces you to look at the world as though everything is black and white. There's no gray area. It's all black and white thinking. So when I look at the world and other people in it, it's either really, really good or it's really, really bad. There's not much of an in-between. The emotions uh, inside are completely black or white. Like I said, I'm either having the world's worst day feeling incredibly empty, depressed, sometimes even suicidal. Or I'm on the top of the world on cloud nine, this high on life, like the best day in the world. But not only is every day one of those two options and no in between, each day often goes back and forth between the two. It's not that one day is really good and the next day is really bad. It's one hour could be really good and then one hour could be really bad. It's really a, a violent cycle of a vicious pendulum swinging from one extreme to the other and then back again. This, this pendulum swings from one extreme to the other at even the slightest change or the slightest stimulus, the slightest little event. Something as simple as someone else's word choice in a matter of seconds, can swing that pendulum from one end to the other. It's a violent and turbulent way to live. Splitting means that all my emotions are only black and white, and the whole world is either only black or white. Either someone else is head over heels with me, or they're not. There's no growing to like me. It's when I look at them, I, I envision them as either head over heels with me or completely not. Someone either hates me or loves me with all their heart. That's how I am. That's how I look at the world. That's how I interact with people. So that's how I expect and envision others to be also. People are either evil and crooked 
or they're angels and perfect. Opportunities to do things, opportunities either have no risk at all, or they're just complete cons. You know, I had this opportunity to go see this girl and possibly start a new relationship with someone who really cared about me, who I really cared about. Something could have developed from that. You know, in in a theoretical sense, something could have happened. So that's an opportunity. But when I looked at it from the beginning, I was incredibly suspicious. I was incredibly suspicious every time she would start to back away or not text me back right away, not answer my phone calls. And I would look at the entire thing as just some complete con. And I would rationalize that in my mind that I was being scammed. When I was trying to rationalize what she was doing, I would think about uh, how... If she would back away from me, how would I justify it? I would justify it by saying that the entire experience with her over the last few weeks was was nothing more than a complete con or a complete scam. Like I thought to myself, she must have had a bet with someone that knew that I was talking to her that she said, well, I can probably get this guy from Las Vegas to fly all the way out here and see me. Uh, if I just say what I need to say and do what I need to do to make him think I really like him, you know, almost like I said, just just like a bet that she had this bet that she could get me to do that. And you hear that, and it sounds sure it's obviously a possibility, but it, it kind of sounds ridiculous, and it's it's borderline paranoid. But like I said, that opportunity is either when I look at it, there's either no risk whatsoever. And things are going to be great. There's, I'm not risking any heartbreak. I'm not risking any pain. I'm not risking any problems at all. Or the entire opportunity is a complete sham. And you might hear that and be thinking, well, yeah, but most people would be nervous in that situation. That's normal. That's not the borderline personality coming out of you. But let me tell you, I was beyond nervous. Or anxious. Every time she wouldn't answer my phone call, regardless of the reason, even if she gave me a reason, even if she would say, hey, I'm going to be really busy, I have this going on, I'm going to do this, whatever, I might not get to my phone, but I'll talk to you later. Even if she'd give me a reason, I'd sit there and contemplate canceling the entire trip, thinking that she was just completely blowing me off. And then when I would talk to her again, or she'd send a simple hi in a text, that pendulum would instantly switch to the other extreme. Instantly, I would think there was absolutely no risk with this trip. I needed to do it. This is a great opportunity. I'm not going to get hurt. Just because she'd simply answer the phone for a minute, or she'd call me back, or she'd text me back. It could be the simplest thing in the world might not have been anything dramatic or serious. But every moment, everything that she did or didn't do would cause this dramatic shift from I'm madly in love, there's no risk here, I need to do this, would shift to 
She hates me, doesn't want me to come. This is a complete con. I'm going to be stranded in the middle of Atlanta, sitting all alone in the largest airport in the world. It's one extreme or the other. That's how I view pretty much everything. As I said earlier, this idea of splitting, it's really a defense mechanism. You see, another common thing with borderline is this intense fear of abandonment. And that's something that I've talked a little bit about uh, in the past. Uh, There's an episode where I briefly talked about this fear of abandonment. I put that episode way back in uh, March or April of 2018. I titled that episode, Don't Leave Me or I'll Leave First. If you don't remember it or you didn't listen to it or whatever, go listen to that episode. It's called Don't Leave Me or I'll Leave First. This fear of being abandoned is so extreme and beyond the realm of normal and healthy that someone with borderline is so terrified of being abandoned that they take these extreme and sometimes unusual precautions to avoid that abandonment. Sometimes that means when we perceive that someone might abandon us, we simply abandon them first. Those walls go right back up and I run for the hills just at the slightest notion that that person might abandon me. It's not necessarily about the fear of loss, It's about the fear of being rejected by someone else. And those are two different things. Fear of loss could be caused by either of the two people involved. I wouldn't describe it as a fear of loss, because if it was, you would just cling to the person and not want to abandon them or not want to run away. But I think at the heart of it, it's actually a fear of being rejected by someone else. That fear of rejection is so great that it might just be easier for me to reject them first before they can reject me. The pain of rejection, or the pain of loss, however you want to look at it, is actually greatly lessened if I'm the one who rejected them. Like a preemptive breakup. So because of this fear of abandonment, This idea of splitting and looking at the world in this manner is actually a defense mechanism to protect ourselves from that intense pain that we expect when we perceive that imminent abandonment. When we perceive that this person's going to run, I'm just going to run for the hills first. And I'll leave them hanging because that feels better than having them do that to me. Kind of on the same note, uh, I was hanging out with a friend last night and was talking to her a little bit about this idea of splitting, and the topic came up of being alone, like not not alone, like no relationship, but I mean like sitting by yourself alone. And I was talking about this trip that I was supposed to have been on which required me to adjust my time with my daughter, which is probably one of the most 
annoying parts about the fact that this trip actually didn't happen is that I had already made pre-arrangements for my daughter to spend an extra day with her mom, so that's an extra day that I lost. Plus, I took time off work. I'm actually not one of those people that hates work. I, I'm i not one of those people that goes into work on Friday and thinks, oh my god, it's Friday, I don't have to work tomorrow, the weekend is here. Because I, I actually, I really enjoy what I do, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that routine and the ability to interact with other people and not have to be alone and sit there with my thoughts. It was told to me once that the prison of your mind is the most difficult one to escape. And that's especially true when you're sitting alone with your thoughts. And ever since I I got divorced and I, I live alone, I I don't Obviously, I don't particularly enjoy sitting in my house alone. I like I like when my daughter's here, kind of that distraction. I can be with her, not sit there and think about my own depression or my own mood or things like that. Not try to sit there and overanalyze other people and how they're interacting with me in that moment. Like I said, it could be something as simple as me sending a text to a friend and not getting an answer for an hour. That hour, I'm sitting there wondering, like, what is this person doing? Why are they not answering me? And it's, it's super, super difficult. But, like I said, sitting alone is, is what becomes the difficulty. So instead, this weekend, I went out and I took a trip uh, on my motorcycle out to uh, Southern California Oh, and it was, it was a, it was great. I, I rode with a friend from Vegas here out to. We went to Barstow, California, kind of in the high desert, little no-name town that nobody's ever heard of. Went out to Riverside. Uh, I love the Harley brand, so we went to Riverside Harley Davidson. My friend that lives in Barstow, uh, he always takes his bike and service and buys his bikes and stuff like that from Riverside. So he took us there. We checked that out. It was 85 degrees in Riverside in January. Meanwhile, I'm getting texts from my family and friends back home in Wisconsin in the Midwest that are sending me pictures of tons and tons of snow. Uh, My dad texted me a picture of snow outside of his house. He said he just shoveled another six inches. In the last 10 days, they've had 20 inches of snow. The wind chills are between 45 and 50 below zero. And the high temperatures, without wind chill, just the actual high temperatures are 12 below zero. It's incredibly cold. Tons and tons of snow. And it's it's kind of a, a relief to realize that the part of the country I live in is not, not like that. It's not that warm here in Vegas. It's been... Uh, probably 50s, maybe low 60s most days, so definitely nicer than what it is in the Midwest, but not super warm here. But riding through Southern California, like I said, Riverside, we went out to Huntington Beach on the Pacific Ocean. Uh, Huntington Beach is just near uh, Los Angeles. 85, 87 degrees. I'm looking at these pictures of literally feet of snow, 20, 20 to 30 inch snow mountains, 
and hearing about these freezing cold temperatures that are pretty much more than 100 degrees colder than what it is here. And it's just unreal. But so that's what I did the last few days uh, to avoid sitting here by myself with my days off work without my daughter, with nothing to do, expecting uh, essentially expecting to be to have been sitting here by myself with those thoughts of I should have been in South Carolina right now. I should have been meeting this girl, spending time with this girl. But a bunch of my friends that knew the situation, they, you know, they they reassured me that I made the I made the wise decision by canceling that trip and by taking this other little motorcycle trip instead. Had lots of fun. If you live in a part of the country that is super, super cold, I can, I can I'll only sit here and say I don't miss that. I, I lived for 25 years in Wisconsin, so I'm familiar with that, that cold weather and uh, <laughs> cold weather, tons and tons of snow. I don't miss it at all. Super, super happy to be here. I've been in Vegas about pushing six years now. This summer will be six years, so uh, it, time has gone by quick, and I've definitely definitely enjoyed it. Definitely looking back, especially on days like today, and thinking, reassuring myself that I, I made the right decision. Just the ability to ride my motorcycle pretty much 12 months out of the year is is a great, uh, a great result to having come here to this part of the country. Back in Wisconsin, you ride a motorcycle maybe three, four months out of the year comfortably, you could ride a little bit longer into the, or you could start earlier in the spring, depending on snow, if you're willing to really put on a big jacket. And same thing with the fall. As long as the snow stays away, you can you can ride late into the fall, around Halloweenish or whatever. But it's cold at that time of year. You know, you're looking at 40s and 50s, which is cold on a motorcycle. But anyways, uh, I'm gonna take a quick break to get away from this tangent that none of you probably care about. Uh, I'll be right back in a second. I got a couple more topics I want to touch on with you today. So stay with me and I'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Jay of Third Degree Mind Podcast. If you're a regular listener of Third Degree Mind, I hope you found an easy way to download and stream all of the latest content. There are a bunch of ways that you can do that and make sure that you're always getting up-to-date notifications when we release a new episode. I want to make sure that you found one of those so that you're always able to listen to Third Degree Mind on demand and that we don't lose touch. The majority of our audience gets Third Degree Mind from CastBox. You can go to castbox.fm on the web or download the CastBox app using your Android or Apple device and then search for Third Degree Mind. And don't forget to click subscribe. Another option is if you have an Apple device like an iPhone, Third Degree Mind is available for free in the Apple iTunes store. Just search Third Degree Mind and click subscribe. Third Degree Mind is produced on Podbean, so you can always find all the available episodes there at thirddegreemind.podbean.com. And of course, you can subscribe there as well. Podbean also has mobile apps for your Android or Apple device to make it even easier to find all of our content and subscribe. 
so that you'll always get up-to-date notifications when new content is released. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I've been single about four years, and I keep hitting these roadblocks, you know. I've told you about a number of them. And after each, after each, uh, I guess, experience or opportunity goes completely south and completely by the wayside, I, I kind of take a step back and I go for a short, sh- very short period of time, thinking to myself, like, well, maybe, maybe I just I need to be done with dating and trying to find, trying to find someone, and I need to just let that go. And I'm, I was kind of in that phase for. Like I said, it's it's a very short <laughs> period of time that that actually lasts. I'll tell myself I'm not going to try to seek anyone else or I'm not going to try to uh, get involved with anyone else for for a while. And and then I, I think something about um, the fact that I'm, I'm really not content just being alone. And I know how good it feels to be attached to someone else and and you know kind of like what we were talking about earlier with this idea of splitting everything is good or bad there's not really any black and white it's it's super difficult to go through a growing phase because i feel like that growing phase is kind of that gray area where you're you're trying to get back to where you're okay with just being alone and you're stuck in that incredibly strong and intense negative side of the pendulum where you're just full of despair no self-worth no uh, self-image about yourself no positivity and everything is just negative and I find myself stuck between that uh, you know that feeling of I don't want to feel that pain again I'm sitting there thinking like I don't ever want to get attached to someone, for example, uh, on the other side of the world because I don't want to feel that type of pain again when it when it doesn't work out. The fact that I might never go see the person or I'll I'll book a trip and then it'll fall through like it like it did very recently. So I end up with that that feeling of I don't ever want to feel that type of pain ever again, so that's why I'm going to guard my heart. But then I get stuck between that and the other extreme, which is, but I want to feel that type of love again. I'm stuck between, I don't want to feel that type of pain again, and, but I do want to feel that type of love again. And because the, the positive feelings of, of love and attraction, because they happen so early for me and they're, they're intense very early on, I just start looking for another, basically another fling that I can fall in love with again, even if it only lasts for a few days or a few weeks, because I want to find something. I want to feel that type of love again. And like I said, I've been talking about splitting. I've been talking about this vicious pendulum going from one extreme to the next, there unfortunately is not much of a of a middle ground and it, it becomes difficult to uh to try to 
try to reconcile how I'm going to be alone and not try to find anything because it takes too much time to essentially get over that, if that makes any sense. And when I sit here and talk about it, I mean, I, I can tell you objectively that I know how ridiculous it sounds, but the emotions are super difficult to, to reconcile uh, in, that, in that way. So another good quote that I kind of live by is, obviously, uh, you, you've all heard it before, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, we got to take the bad things and turn them into beautiful things. Don't let the bad things keep you from having the life that you want. So in other words, when your heart gets broken in one experience, don't let that one experience prevent you from trying again. It might create more walls, but don't make it impossible for those walls to come down when someone new comes along. Like I said, take those bad things, turn them into beautiful things. Don't let those bad things just keep you from having that life that you want. And I heard a, a, another motivational speaker that kind of talks a little bit about this, and he talks about the concept of almost. And it kind of applies to some of these things that I'm talking about now. So I'm, I'm going to play this for you real quick. It's just a couple minutes. I had an interesting weekend. I was pretty sick and uh, almost didn't run the half marathon that I had scheduled, but decided, hey, worst comes to worst. I have a bad race. The world will keep spinning. So I jumped in the car and headed that way. When all was said and done and I crossed the finish line, I ended up with a personal best of over 15 seconds a mile in a race that I almost walked away from because I didn't think I would be at my best. And when I regained composure, settled in a little bit, I had to wonder how many times almost has gotten in my way. How many times a simple decision to stop, to not go or wait for later has changed the outcome of my life. How many times has it changed the world? How many potential bestsellers were almost started? How many potential greats almost stuck with it? How many friendships almost remained intact? Think about how fickle our world is, how these simple decisions to start, to go, to not drop the pen or hit the snooze button can change everything. And after that race, I told myself that I will never get in my own way again. I will never sell myself short. I will do everything in my power to be on the right side of almost. The worst outcome is so much better than wondering. You know, and there are moments that we question if it's worth it, if it matters, if there really will be payout. And being pragmatic, you know, maybe there will, maybe there won't. But the moments that we remember in life, the things that end up meaning the most to us, they don't come from almost jumping. They're born from the recognition that failure will not kill us. And opportunity hides behind mountains of almost. You know, you can do what you've always done or you can go further. You can keep your stories and ideals locked away in your head or you can share them with the world. You can worry about the collapse or you can build. 
change the architecture of humanity, contribute something extraordinary, not be a victim of almost, but go in with the intent of leaving a mark, of holding your ground. You know, there are no certainties in life, that's for sure, but I can promise if you never leave, my friend, you will never arrive. And with so many potential destinations out there, who wants that? Who wants to pay the cost of admission and not see the show? Be the person 30 years from now, talking, joking with your friends, family, and, and teammates about how you almost didn't go. You almost said no. You almost let your insecurity and doubt get the best of you. But then you took a step back and you remembered what matters. If you walk around this world so guarded and so afraid to take chances, nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing good can come from never taking a chance. If you keep your heart guarded and you're self-protected and you keep those walls up and you never let anyone inside ever, you're never, like he says, if you never leave, you, you will never arrive. I think that's great advice to anyone who's going through a hard time and thinking to themselves that I'm not going to put myself back out there again or I'm not going to take this chance again. You have to make those difficult choices sometimes. You have to take those risks. And like I said, taking risks comes from making choices. And remember what we talked about earlier with choices. We are defined by our choices. My friends, make the choice to be on the right side of almost. Don't be sitting there 30 years from now thinking, well, I could have done this, or I had the opportunity to do this, and I didn't. I made the choice not to. Don't be that guy. The decisions we make today are going to shape who we become and who we are in the future. Take those bad things and turn them into beautiful things. Don't let the bad things keep you from having the life that you want. Because this gift of life is precious. And you only get one shot at it. We are defined by our choices. See, my whole life was about being rich and famous. I had to be a millionaire. I had to win the race. I had to win the race to expense my marriage, my family, my friends for what? To be all alone in the world? I learned what is truly important, and that is how precious this gift of life is and how quickly it can be taken away. Make the choice. Own and overcome your past. Own the choices that you made and overcome the results, whether they were good or bad. Turn the bad into good. You have the power. You have the power to make that choice and seize that moment.
heaving like an ocean And you're drowning in a deep dark well I can hear it in your voice that if you only had a choice You would rather be anyone else I love you just the way that you are I love the way you made your precious heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself I know it's hard to hear it when that anger in your spirit Is pointed like an arrow at your chest When the voices in your mind are anything but kind And you can't believe your father knows best I love you just the way that you are I love the way he's shaping your heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself well, How does it end when the war that you're in Is just you against you against you You can't expect to be perfect, it's a fight you gotta forfeit You belong to me, whatever you do So lay down your weapon, darling, take a deep breath And believe that I love you Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself Hey, it's Jay, creator and host of Third Degree Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I wanted to close really quick by reminding you that Third Degree Mind is produced primarily for entertainment purposes and is not intended to treat or diagnose any mental illness and is not intended to replace clinical psychiatry. I am not a licensed therapist or physician, so if you feel that you need mental health treatment, please always seek that appropriate care in your area. If you're feeling actively suicidal, please call 911 or take yourself to an emergency room. If you're in the U.S., you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255 or contact them using their online chat service at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And once again, they are available 24-7.